What's up, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of your favorite Swimbait Podcast, Scales and Tales, episode 37 tonight. We have Mr. Riley McDonald, who uh, you guys got to hear on the roundtable a couple a couple days, a couple weeks ago. And uh, unfortunately, Riley didn't have his own little independent episode. So uh, if, if you didn't know who Riley was, maybe it was kind of a shock um, listening listening to him. Riley is, is quite the fella, <clears throat> known him for a couple of years now, and actually just got to meet him in person the other day at the uh, the gathering. And uh, Riley is very, uh, very extensive in knowledge as far as swimbait fishing and especially inshore fishing, which is what we're going to talk talk about tonight because it's something that's fucking crazy just from seeing Riley's pictures and stuff over the last couple of years. But I'll let Ryan, Riley introduce himself and then we'll uh, we'll dive right into it, man. All right. Uh, I'm Riley McDonald. Um, I'm an avid, avid fisherman, swimbait fisherman. Um, avid inshore fisherman when I get to go, um, but yeah, just an avid fisherman all around, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, um, Riley is like, I mean, t- t- Riley, tell him what you do. Tell tell him what you do for work. Uh, so I travel for work. Um, oh, dude, you were supposed to say you're a travel welder, cut. That's what I was. That's what I was banking <laughs> on you saying. Oh, yeah, all right. I'm a travel welder, you know, just travel welder operator, you know what I'm saying, cub. But yeah, I do that. So I get to travel kind of all around, uh, all around the southeast, and get to fish different spots and and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it opens up a whole lot of opportunities for me to be able to just fish different places. I fish in uh chattanooga tennessee this year i fished in um jackson alabama pensacola area last year while i was down there for work i fished in the carolinas all over lake chickahominy chickahominy whatever the fuck you say it yep chickahominy up in here in virginia i was up here for work for the uh for the gathering actually so it ended up working out pretty good super Um, good timing randomly super good timing (laughs) oh yeah randomly super good timing so um yeah i fished all over i fished out in blacksburg virginia earlier this summer um i was up there for work as well but yeah you know travel water so i get to kind of bounce around and fish different places and different sceneries and all kinds of shit like that yeah so I mean, let's let's take it back to when you first started. How how did you get into just fishing in general, and then bass fishing, and then kind of swim bait fishing, whether that be fresh or saltwater? Where where did it all start for Mr. Riley McDonald? So fishing, man. I remember, I I remember the first time I ever went fishing. I think it was with my dad. I was like three years old, out in Utah. I lived in Salt Lake City at the time, and we went and caught rainbow trout out of a lake. And then I lived in Maryland with my mom when I was five or six, and I think it was yeah about probably about five, five or six years old. And I, I we lived on Chesapeake Bay, not far from where I'm at right now. Only about two hours, three hours from where I'm at in Williamsburg right now. Um, we lived on Chesapeake Bay in Maryland, Annapolis, Annapolis area, Maryland. Um, and yeah, we lived right on the bay, and I'd go out and I'd crab. You know, set crab traps and such in the mornings. I'd come back, check them in the afternoon. Uh, one of my neighbors, he had a boat, and he'd take us out on the, on the bay, Chesapeake Bay. We'd go striper fish and and whatnot. And then um, I moved to I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. After that, 
lived in Charleston for, I don't know, I think two years. I remember having a little pond. It's actually Somerville area of Charleston, right outside of Charleston, I think, Somerville, South Carolina. I had a little pond in the backyard, and I remember I was like probably, probably about seven, seven or eight years old, and I caught a caught a big, good largemouth, man, like a three-and-a-half, four-pound largemouth out of this little pond. On one of them rinky dink ass lures you can get that they used to H-O sell. Express. Yeah, dude. I used to have one of them rocket fishing poles where you press the button and threw <laughs> out. Caught on one of those things, bro. I remember I was like eight years old, dude. It's wild. And uh so I did that. And then I used in the summertime I'd go up to Wisconsin. My grandparents used to have a cabin on the uh Mississippi River in Wisconsin, uh up near La Crosse. And we would go out on their pontoon boat, their John boat, and we'd catch. I remember this. I remember this one specific time. Normally, we'd go out there and just bluegill fish. You know, basically catch whatever's biting, pike, bluegill, you know, anything like that. Maybe bass here and there. But I remember this one time we got up in this little spot, and it was kind of like a. It was like a point in the river. But it had two separate creeks or two separate creek arms or whatever that kind of ran on either side of the point. There was a big sandbar up on front of the point. Um, kind of like way in the back, I don't know what you call back marshes, back bays of the Mississippi River. I remember we ended up kept just absolutely smashing some bass. We got largemouth um, in the backwaters of the Mississippi River just throwing bobbers and night crawlers and we ended up smashing bass we caught probably 60 70 bass in this little spot Damn. and i think I, then i was probably about nine nine or ten years old maybe a little older and that's kind of when it spiked and then ever since then i always wanted to bass fish with lures and uh i lived in greenville around then i lived in greenville south carolina when i was i think i moved there in fifth fifth grade or sixth grade i don't know how old i was maybe 10 years old something like that 11 years old um and we used to go fish lake hartwell a lot when i was that age we used to go camping down there and i'd bring my little lures and little zebco or whatever and you know a black and blue trick worm or fucking curly tail worm and throw from the banks and try and catch spots and largemouth or whatever and i used to try and do that obviously didn't catch much but that was when Hartwell, Lake Hartwell used to be like 20 feet down. Now it's not like that, but yeah. But um, yeah, I did that growing up in my early teenage years. And then I moved to Memphis, Tennessee when I was, moved to Memphis, Tennessee when I was, I think I was 14. Memphis, Tennessee does not strike me as a place with a lot of fishing. <laughs> but here's the crazy part. So Memphis Memphis, Tennessee reminds me a lot. I, I live in Jackson, Jacksonville. We'll get to Jacksonville later, but Memphis, Tennessee reminds me a lot of how Florida is. Because Florida, not not necessarily the fishing and the size of the fish, just because of how many ponds there are in that oh, really? part of Tennessee. It's just Memphis is loaded with ponds. It's right off the Mississippi River. And what is that? The southwestern part of the state, I guess. I don't really know. But it's right there by Mississippi and all that. But it's loaded with ponds. I moved out there when I was 14, just about to turn 15, October of 2014, I think. And I remember my parents, my mom and stepdad, they went and they looked at houses down there and they looked at houses specifically near ponds and shit so I could ride my bike and so I could take my siblings. We'd ride bikes down to the ponds and fish. And 
I was still fishing with cheap gear. I was fishing with, you know, like a Zebco spinning rod or whatever, you know, cheap $30, $40 gear. But, um, yeah, I'd go and fish these little ponds. I think one, I I went one time, this one, we moved there in October. I think I went fishing for the first time out there in like November of 2014. And I lost three studly sized bass on a, Bass Pro jerk bait on a Zebco spinning reel. Didn't know what I was using. Probably 25, 30 pound mono. Had no idea what I was using. And it just struck a nerve in me that I'd only want to use lures to catch bass. And it just all skyrocketed from there. And ever since then, I've been broke. But um, that that sparked everything. And from when I'm four, I'm 22 now, almost 23 now, from when I was 14. To now, it's just strictly been pretty much lures. Like I said, started conventional, pretty much how everyone does. Starts conventional and works your way up to um, swim baits and, you know, all kinds of gear and all that shit. But, yeah, I started out, you know, Zebco spinning gear, broke, you know, just small, small gear, just nothing, nothing, nothing really worth anything, nothing expensive. And then I think when I was 15, I got a... I got a bait cast. I think I got one of them. I got a pro qualifier, Bass Pro Pro Ooh. qualifier. I got two of them in the spring sale for like, I think they're like, each year they go on sale. It's like, you get two of them for a hundred bucks. So I got two of those. I got a little cheap rod or whatever. And I started pond hopping a lot and just like YouTube. Like that's when back when I watched John B and Fisherman Flair and all them little shits and. What's his name? Um, fucking that other little short dude that fishes. Perrick. Perrick, yeah, I've watched Perrick a lot. Um, Lunker TV, I think. I don't think he was around then, but I watched all those dudes. Scott Martin, Mike Iaconelli, all those dudes. And just kind of, when I was 14, I still watch them now, but when I was 14 till I was like 17, 18, when I really fished a lot, that's all I would watch is them. When I wasn't doing school... Yeah. I would watch them and learn from them. It's how I learned how to fish. Well, learn how to fish worms, wacky worms, shit like that. Um, but yeah, I just basically learned all my shit from them and translated it from because you know John B and Perrick and Flair, they all used to fish ponds. So I just kind of translated what they did in their ponds and use it in the Memphis ponds. But that's basically where it all started. Uh, you know, I think. The year I was 15, I was fishing almost every day, if not every day. Just And these little ponds in Memphis, we live actually live in a town called Germantown. And it's actually, so you got Memphis, and then you got Germantown, and then you got another town called Collierville. And Germantown and Collierville are their own little towns. So they got their own little police districts and police departments, and it's a little bit safer than Memphis is. <laughs> but I used to go, and I'd get on a bike path. They got a little greenway or whatever down there in Germantown. I get on the bike path and I bike all up and down the bike path um, and fish these little ponds and shit, fishing frogs and, you know, whatnot and jigs. And I found some apartment ponds and little, you know, housing complexes and shit. Um, But I remember, I think one summer, I think it was the summer I was 15, I caught summer i was 15 i caught um i think i had like i had like eight or nine fish i think i had like eight or nine fish over five pounds and then i think 
three or four over six pounds, something like that, in Memphis, Tennessee, just fishing ponds. And I remember Damn. this is when this is when I that summer when I was fifteen is when I first I got I got a the OG, the St. Croix, one to four ounce, uh that hundred dollar swimmate rod they got, and I got a um fuck, I can't remember what it was. It's a swim bait reel. It wasn't a Cardiff. It was one of the low profile ones. Uh, I think it was, a, it was a BB. No, I got um, a um, I got a BB one. I lose BB one. I use one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got a a six inch bull shad, and they had this little pond out there in Collierville, Tennessee. And there's another guy that fishes. I learned about him when I moved to South Carolina because I didn't have Facebook back then and shit. I don't think, but I think his name is Scott. And he used to be a, he's a freaking stick. I don't think he fishes much anymore, but he used to be a freaking stick out there in Memphis. And he fished this little pond a lot. He fishing with Hiroshima and Bullshad and shit like that. And I remember I got out in this little pond. It's a pretty big pond, actually. But I got out in this pond. I saw Shad busting. I bombed a cast out there with a six-inch Bullshad. And I think 20-pound Abrazex or Invisex or whatever it was. And I hung like a four or five-pounder. And then, like, five, three or four casts later, I hung another one that was a freaking stud. I mean, back, who knows how big it was, but maybe seven, eight pounds for all I know, you know. Yeah. I ended up bending a hook, and then I was pissed about that. You know, a little 15-year-old me cussing up a storm. But kept moving down the bank. This was an incredible day. You know, like, really one of those first days that really kick-started swim baits for me. But, uh-huh. um pretty much kept moving around the bank or whatever i hadn't caught another four and i caught a five pounder i had you know three three pond fish in memphis tennessee for like 15 16 pounds and it was badass um i kind of was off and on with swim baits you know for the next pretty much when i was 15 i was kind of off and on i fished them a lot when i was in memphis because they just work out in memphis but then i moved back to south carolina when i was 16 almost 17 and I fished them a little bit, you know, in South Carolina, not much. Tennis triple trouts, um, the ice slide, the 262 ice slide, just baits like that, you know, fishing around and whatnot, just kind of for shits and giggles because it was a lot different in the lakes. But um, I did that when I was like 16, 17, and then I moved to Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. I lived with my dad down there. <clears throat> Moved down there when I was like 17, almost 18. And that's when I, that's when I really got back. That's when I got back into swim baits, but I got big into swim baits. I got an 806 Fury and I got Tula 200 or whatever it was, the 150 series, whatever it was. Got some bull shads, TKs, canines. And I actually remember I fished a lot in South Carolina when I was 16, 17. Or I was 17. But then I moved to Jacksonville. I moved to Jacksonville November of 2016 or December of 2016. I lived down there for two years. But I remember February of 2018. um, I was fishing this little spot down there. As we talked about in the round table, I think it's this little spot that just grows absolute freaks of nature as far as bass go. They're largemouth. They got. Tiny mouse, they're just short, they're dense, they're fat. I bond a rattle trap out on this little sewer drain, kind of yo-yoing it up and down. 
and it was in February. It was kind of pre-spawn or whatever. And I hung a 9.4, and that fish went 22 and a half inches. An absolute unit of a fish. And then from then on, you know, I just, it was just like when I lived in Memphis, but I was in, I was in Florida now. Bigger bass, bigger potential for bass, you know, just all around better fishing and a little bit safer. But um, that kind of kickstarted it. And then I started throwing swim baits again and shit. Uh, like I said, TKs, canines, uh, a lot of the Savage Gear stuff. Um, and yeah, I fished. I fished a lot of that stuff. You know, I whenever whenever I wasn't saltwater fishing, when I moved down to Jacksonville, um, I've been fishing saltwater in Jacksonville or saltwater in general since I was like 13, I think, 12 or 13. But <clears throat> when I fished them in, when I was like 12 or 13, we just go out with live bait and shit. And then I, when I moved down there, I started fishing artificial and I just fished conventional gear, you know, spinning gear, bait casters, stuff like that. You know, just paddle tails. Um, not really knowing what I'm doing as far as lures go, mainly cause fucking you go and get shrimp or mullet or mud minnows down there. You get four dozen shrimp and you're at 30 bucks, you know, yeah, dude. for someone who doesn't really have a good paying job, you know, that's really expensive to do a couple times a week. So I just go out and get, you know, you just get some jig heads, some soft plastics, maybe those, some uh, those DOA shrimp. Yep. The DOA shrimp. And you can catch yeah, as many yeah. fish as you want. And they're like three bucks for three three M D O A shrimps. You know, you can go out and catch as many fish as you want. You ain't gotta worry about live bait and all the other tackle you need for the live bait. So that's when I started to fish artificial for inshore fish. I think like I said, like I said, I think it was eighteen. And I think ever since then, since I was eighteen, I don't think I've thrown um as far as reds, trout, and flounder go, I haven't thrown a live bait for them since. Mainly just because why? once I learned how to fish artificials for saltwater, I started finding out that, hell, I mean, I catch damn near as many as people that do with live bait, if not more. You know, once I be able... Because <clears throat> a lot of people, as far as inshore fishing goes, they just... Which a lot of times it can't be true this way too, but... For a lot of people, you can just go out there, you go to your little spot or whatever, and you can cast out a live mullet or a live shrimp, and you can catch reds and trout and flounder and whatnot. But um, I used to go back in these little back marshes and shit, these little back bays, and I would basically... It took me about took me about a year to really understand the tides. And in Jacksonville, um, the Jacksonville tides are a lot different than any other tides basically from charleston south carolina to jacksonville florida the tides are ridiculous or charleston's even worse than jacksonville but Char jacksonville the tides i mean i think on average is like a five probably about a five foot tide maybe five and a half foot tide i'd say on average um and all that means is <clears throat> as far as my understanding goes basically when you have a Say Jacksonville, you got a five foot tide, five and a half foot tide. Basically, you got, I think it's four tide swings in 24 hours, four tide swings in one day. <clears throat> you got two lows and two high tides, two lows, two low tides, and two high tides. Um, and basically, you know, <clears throat> what I would find is that. For me, 
fishing a lot. There's a lot of guys down there that could smoke them on a high tide. They just be able to figure out the grass, figure out how they move in the grass on the edges of the grass with the oyster bars and shit. But uh-huh. I, I got to a point down there when I was living in Jacksonville to where I would strictly only fish low tides. And that's mainly because I like to sight fish. You can, when it, when Jacksonville has a low tide, like a lot of times I remember sometimes if you got really lucky, you have like an almost like, oh, it's almost like a negative low tide. So it's like, it's, you got your, say you got a five foot high tide, it'd go to zero and then go a little more, like a little less. It's kind of confusing. I can't really remember the way the tide charts work down there because it's been so long, but, um, yeah, normally sometimes you have like a five foot tide, but then the tide would drop so much it drop a little more than five feet, um, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. But it just <laughs> it's kind of weird down there, really weird, really fucking weird down there. But <clears throat> yeah, you'd have these tides, and you know, um, Jacksonville. It didn't really matter. I guess in the summer, the summertime, there's a there's a little bit of a difference. The summertime. Um, when I got shrimp and mullet and all kinds of shit in the back bays and shit, or the back marshes, I mean, the summertime reds, man, on a low tide, you can really go back there and smoke them. Versus the wintertime, the wintertime's a little tougher. Um, the wintertime fish are a little bit more predictable, though, because redfish are, they're not like bass, but in a way they are. Because you think about bass, you know, bass in the wintertime, they want to get up on the rocks, like riprap, boat ramps and shit when it's sunny out because it's warm. Redfish are the same exact way. So mud, like, it's like clay banks in the Carolinas. Mud, like mud, clay banks, they heat up really quick. It's the same thing in Florida. That's not red clay, but it's like a... It's that real sloppy mud. Yeah, yeah. And those reds in the wintertime, they want to get up in that mud. They want to get on the oyster bars where the, where the heat is. And obviously, where the redfish are, the only reason, I mean, one big reason why I'm redfish are in the mud or on the oyster bars is because there's other bait there. There's shrimp there, there's mullet, mud minnows, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, I mean, like summertime, though, summertime is a lot different you know summertime is be hot as shit you know 100 degrees 105 degrees 95 degrees or whatever and you go in the summertime and it'd be on you know a low tide or whatever negative low tide and but you go back in these little spots in the summertime and those fish would just be stacked back there you know and it's not wintertime wintertime redfish down there um i don't think as far as what I've seen, they don't really school up as hard as they do in the summertime. And it's the same thing in Texas. Like, I live in Texas, fish inshore in Texas too, but wintertime redfish in Texas, from what I saw in certain spots I fish, they just don't school up as hard as they do in the summertime. For whatever reason it is, I don't really know. But in summertime in Jacksonville, it could be because bait, maybe. I don't really know. But um, in Jacksonville, summertime, they don't school up hard, hard. They don't, they're not big schools. You know, they're like, you know, little pods. You know, little four, five, six fish pods. Kind of like, you know, how bass have their little wolf packs. It's like a wolf pack of redfish. But they're all... In the summertime, I also noticed, too, that um, the quality would be a little better versus the wintertime. In wintertime, you got to go through rats and shit. Rat red. They call them rat reds or whatever. Rat reds are real baby reds. Like them fucking 12, 13, 14 inch reds. <laughs> 
technically your upper slot reds. They call uh, locals call them your baby reds or whatever puppy puppy drum. But you got like Jacksonville. I think slot limit was eighteen to twenty seven for a redfish. They call it out a puppy drum, whatever. But that's your that's your slot fish. So yeah, but yeah, I noticed in the summertime though the fish would be a little better quality, and it's also I think because you know in the summertime when them fish are schooling hard and they're like four, five, six fish pods, you can kind of pick you can pick them out however the fuck you want. You know, you can not, you can pick out your certain pods of certain little schools of redfish. You can pick them out versus the size and shit. Versus summer, wintertime, they just, you know, winter, I I don't know what, for whatever reason, but wintertime, you know, a lot of times it's a little one, it's a one fish deal. You'll see one, one cruising fish, you know, be able to sight fish one fish. Sometimes, you know, maybe two fish in a school or three fish in a school. In the wintertime, but in the summertime, they just get a little bigger, you know, like four, five, six fish pods, and they're just cruising the bank looking for grass, looking for shrimp and mullet and shit like that. But as far as the sight fishing, the sight fishing deal goes, this is, this is, so as far as the sight fishing deal goes, um, a lot of guys in Florida in the summertime, low tide sight fishing and shit like that. They're using flies or they're using paddle tails, little weedless paddle tails, kind of like fluke style baits, shit like that. For me, I switched it up and I threw a triple trout, Nez mouse. For whatever reason, a bone white mouse. It's a really subtle kind of wake. Um, it's smaller than the the OD rat, the little baby OD rat. It's smaller the, than that. The one you had just gotten at the gathering. Yep, the one I just got at the gathering, it's a little smaller than that, a little bit more slender, but for whatever, um, the way it looks kind of just looks like a swimming mullet, almost, but it's not, it's a little mouth. But for whatever reason, in the low tide, in the summertime, those redfish would go absolute ape shit over that little Nez mouse. Now, and, like, in, in the fly fishing videos and shit, like, guys are, like, push-pulling up to the shallows and shit, and, like, you can see the red's tails like sticking out of the water. Like I assume that's like kind of when they're, their nose down feeding and shit. Are yep. you like, are you casting at these fish? Like you can see them. So you cast and pass them and kind of like, like working that Nez rat, uh, like a mullet and just kind of slowly creeping it past them. They just fucking come up and eat it out of just out of just fuck out of, out of nature. Like they're just like, Oh fuck, yep. I'm going to kill that thing and eat it. Yep. I mean, I feel like, I feel like that's how pretty much it is. You know, I feel like a lot of times too, there's redfish. Even when they're sight, even when they're sight casting them and shit, it's almost like a bass. You know, they like bass. They hit shit out of uh, was it reaction? I kind of yeah, feel yeah. like this is. I kind of feel like it's the same way for redfish. Um, if even if a redfish sees a, a shrimp and it's fucking in front of its face, he's gonna eat it. But if he sees a little mullet in front of his face, uh, specifically a mullet looking like a looking like it's trying to escape or a wounded mullet or whatever, he's gonna eat that motherfucker too. So I, I kind of figured it out that way with the Nez Mouse. The only reason, I would throw the Nez Mouse and I'd throw a 5-inch stubby triple trout. I think I, I think it was a floater I threw down there. Because you can't, you, wait, when, I'm sight, when you're sight fishing these redfish, whether it be in Jacksonville or Texas, you are in, these redfish are in 6 inches of water or less. Like it is, 
ridiculously skinny crazy like like the only thing like you can see you can see the top half of their back sticking out of the water you can see the back of their tail sticking out of the water you can damn near see their eyes sticking out of the water you know obviously their eyes are pointed down looking for shrimp and shit but you're sight fishing these fish in less than six inches of water sometimes like these fish are literally the in the summertime down there Redfish will get in these little schools and they will chase mullet up into the mud almost to the point where it looks like they can't get out of the mud. Like, that's how crazy it is. And you'll see it's just it's so freaking sick. And it's even more sick that you can. There's not a lot of guys in Jacksonville I know of that ever threw swim baits down there. Yeah, I got. Oh, go ahead. I hooked a couple guys up with swim baits down there with um, when I left for Texas, I sent out. Or no, I left a triple trout five inch stubby down there for some guys to throw, and they just couldn't get on it. You know, they like to stick with their conventional shit, and I don't blame them because you catch a lot of fish. But I've noticed that with the Nez or the five inch stubby, I caught a lot. I caught a lot of fish, but I caught a lot of quality fish because no one throws them down there for saltwater. Everyone, because you can, because guys think you can catch them just as good on a soft plastic three inch pile tail and jig head. Why would I switch into a big bait? But you know. The big bait bites I noticed with bass, I knew that that shit would be just as explosive, if not more explosive, with a redfish or the trout. So I was like, fuck it, and threw them for trout and redfish, and it's so freaking fun. And they just, the redfish specifically, though, you can sight fish them with a Nez yeah. mouse, and it's just explosive, and it's just badass. Dude, it's so crazy that it's like, everybody always talks like how, how big and badass all these saltwater fish are. And then, like, you, you come around with, a, I mean, a five-inch triple trout is not very big relative to some of these other fucking baits out there. And and these guys are talking up all these saltwater fish, and they see this five-inch triple trout or this little Nez rat, and they're like, oh, no, like, why, why would I fish that? Like, it's going to eat this. It's going to eat this shrimp float or something. Like, it's, it's fucking crazy. And maybe not necessarily intimidated, but they don't give it a thought, like, Dude, I don't know. It's so crazy. I, that's what I was going to ask you earlier is if, like, you were kind of a pioneer down there or if you saw somebody else doing it and you're like, oh, hey, why don't I why don't I bring out a triple trout next time and I'll try that or something like that? Like, I mean, like, and, you I know, don't know if somebody fishes huds down there or anything like that or. So the only thing like the huds. The only so the, <clears throat> the huds would work in Texas. I know the guarantee. I almost guarantee it'd work in Texas, but the only reason it wouldn't work in Jacksonville, they'd work south of Jacksonville because this tide south of Jacksonville. If you get back in the bays and shit in the lagoons, it's like a lake. The tide really doesn't change that much. But in Jacksonville, the tide swings are so strong. I remember times when I was nineteen, I got a Hobie down there, and I started. Or when I was, um, when I was eighteen, almost nineteen, I started fishing out of a Hobie down there, and. I remember times where the tide would be so strong that even like pedaling into the current, trying to get to my backwater spots, the tide would be so strong that I could barely get past the tide. Like I could, I was Damn, pedaling my ass off backwards. Yeah. Just almost like you're pedaling in place, almost like you're pedaling in mud and not moving at all. You're barely moving. That's how. That's the only reason why I think a hood really wouldn't work all that well down there. And because the mud is just so soft. But if the water was like Texas, where in Texas, the whole or a lot of that whole area in Texas, the whole coastline, a lot of it's like a lake. A lot of it, the tide really doesn't. uh, 
In Texas, the tides drop, but they drop like a foot, foot and a half, two foot over six hours. Versus in Texas, or in Florida, Jacksonville, the drop, tides drop five foot in six hours. So that's almost a, that's a foot. A foot an hour, maybe a little less than a foot an hour. So that's how, like, that's how just how much different it is. And it's honestly, you go from Jacksonville to Daytona. Like Jacksonville is an hour from Daytona, hour and a half from Daytona, and Daytona's the same way as Texas, though, as far as I know. Um, I think Daytona the tides like two foot in six hours. So it's really not a. It's almost like a lake or a very very slow moving river. You know, the tides really don't matter down there. But Jacksonville's just built different and jackson main reason for jacksonville being like that though is jacksonville there's a river i know you've seen it the saint saint john's river the bassmaster mm-hmm. goes down goes down there every year they go down to palatka which is about i think it's 60 miles south of jacksonville or something like that but basically the saint john's river flows from um jacksonville all the way down to uh what is it i think it's just north of Stickmarsh, I think, which is all the way down there in like central, not central Florida, but it's like three hours south of Jacksonville. So it flows all the way down there. So the tides down there don't really make a fuck. You know, they're not, they're <laughs> not, there's just, there's not really much tide down there. But Jacksonville is just ridiculous. Jacksonville to St. John's in Jacksonville, it's a big inlet. A lot of water moves through there. And it basically, when a tide gets sucked out of the inlet in Jacksonville from the St. John's, all the water from the creeks is just following it. So just all the tides in the creeks, they just drop quick. And that's just, that's just how it is in Jacksonville. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, Jackson, that's the only reason I don't think a hub would work up there though. But I know, yeah. I know it works in Texas, but maybe like, so Jacksonville, you got slack tides and shit. And basically mm-hmm. a slack tide is just, it's in between your two tides. So say you got a low tide, you know, your low tide is going to drop for six hours and then you're basically going to have a slack tide. And the slack tide's like an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. And the slack tide is basically where there's little to no tide moving at all. So it's almost like still water. Um, but yeah, you'll have like an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours of slack tide. And then your, your opposite tide. So if you got a low tide, if you're, if you got a high tide, normally what I would try and do is I would try and position myself around the tides because, um, basically I would try and go fish the last maybe half hour of high tide, basically, or let me think. Um, yeah, so I would try and fish the last half hour of high tide. Because that's when all the water is getting pushed back into the creeks. That way I can just ride the tide back into my creeks and I don't have to worry about fighting the tide or anything. Yeah. Fish a little slack tide or whatever for an hour, hour and a half, and then the tide starts to come out. And I'd basically just fish the tide as it keeps falling down. That way I don't have to fight the tides going in or coming out. Basically I fish fish a low tide all the way out. And then as the high tides or yeah, and I fish the low tide all the way out to slack tide and then i leave you know right there at the end of slack tide and then i'll i'll head out because the first the first hour of tide coming back in really isn't all that bad so you really ain't gotta you ain't gotta it's really like the last well probably the last three hours of the tide coming in or going out that's when it gets so you rough. Gotta bust ass. yeah that's when you gotta bust it's, ass but like, 
is this like complete salt water is it like brackish water i've dude i've never understood this shit like i don't understand how certain fish like uh like how, how sharks and shit can live in brackish water or dude, i don't know i don't understand that shit at all i don't understand how brackish or how like fresh and salt water mix at a certain point and then like a mile upstream is fresh water and then a mile downstream is salt water like what what is it just like completely salt water in these marshes and shit so those marshes in there off the of St. John's River, that was pretty much all salt water. Unless they got a heavy rain that comes in, you get a lot of fresh water moved in and shit. And that can affect your fishing too. If you got a lot of fresh water that moves in there, sometimes that well, can push the fish down and shit. Yeah, I pushed some really redfish, trout, and flounder. They don't really care because you can catch them in brackish water all throughout fucking Florida pretty much. That okay. really affect them. But when they're when they're based salt water all the time, I feel like that rush of fresh water that comes in kind of stuns them or freaks them out a little bit or something. It just makes the fishing tough. Right. But slows them down. Slows them down a little bit. But pretty much that whole, basically, so you got your St. John's River. You got downtown Jacksonville. I think from downtown Jacksonville, which is the St. John's runs through downtown Jacksonville. I think I was like, I don't know, probably 20... Maybe 15 miles from downtown. 15, 20 miles is where I would fish a lot from downtown Jacksonville towards the inlet. But all my creeks and shit I would fish were maybe... So basically, you got St. John's River runs right down through the center or whatever, like right through the inlet. And you got these little creeks and shit. And these little creeks, you go underneath bridges and they got these creeks. But as soon as you get underneath the bridge, it opens up. And it's just... It's hundreds, hundreds of little creek arms and shit that spread all throughout Jacksonville. Um, or all through upper Jackson, North Jacksonville. And basically, all that salt water, though, don't really matter how far you go back in there. I've been pretty far back in the creeks before, and it's just, it's all salt. It's so, it's so, it's just salty back there, you know, so much salt water back there. But that's only because it's so close to the ocean. Like a lot of these creeks and shit, like if you, if I were to come out of the creek and be on Main River and I were to go to the inlet, probably, probably like three miles, maybe two miles from the inlet. So from the inlet to the ocean. So it's all just salty shit back there. Now, even when it rains and shit and you get rain, a lot of rainwater, it's still salty enough to where bass can't live back there. But um, since redfish, trout, and flounder, you know, they can live in brackish water. So it don't really matter for them. You know, but there is some spots in Jacksonville, though. I'll talk about another one of them spots in a second. But there's another spot in Jacksonville, though. It's, um, it's a little spot. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's a little spot. <laughs> and it's a brackish water. They got bass, like, way up north in this little spot. Um, and then they got the further south you go, the more bracket, the more saltier it gets. So they got more trout, redfish, and flounder and shit. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ties in Jacksonville, bro, just redonkulous, you know, but they're, you know, like I was fishing a lot of Scott stuff, like Scott from Triple Trout. Um, I was fishing a lot of his stuff and that's pretty much, you know, I, as far as swim baits go, I think Triple Trout and a Triple, a triple Trout and a Tiny Clash and a Canine those were the only three baits, swim baits I fished in Florida the last maybe year, year and a half I was there. 
specifically Triple Child that I eat. Triple Child is the only thing that I really got bit on in Jacksonville. Oh, Triple Child. And then I know Carlton, you've probably seen him from Carlton, Mike Herman. He lives down in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He makes mullet glides, ladyfish glides. He makes croaker stuff. I oh, fish- yeah, yeah. The ladyfish yeah. glides. I know what you're talking about. I've seen those yep. before. So he sent me a speckled trout glide. It was like a six, six or seven inch glide. Uh, donkey bait, donkey based swim baits for anybody. Donkey based swim baits. Look yeah. his page. Yep. yep. He sent me one of his trip, uh, one of his speckled trout glides down there. I think I was night nineteen when I got it, and I think that was when he's first coming out. Like he really wasn't selling all that many. I could be mistaken, but I think that's when he's first coming out. He really wasn't selling all that much. Not near as much as he's selling now, but. Um, yeah, he sent me one of his baits and I fished it down there and the reds and the trout freaking smoked it. A little seven inch, little just seven inch trout glide. This one's real nice and easy. You know, you really ain't got to do too much to it. I just do a straight retrieve, you know, little real pops and shit in there and they just smoke it. But yeah, man, there's a lot of spots like Jacksonville, you know, I'd fish. Scott sent me a, um, sent me a five inch stubby, um, Bass sink, I think is what it was. And I just, you know, basically, if I'm fishing a high tide, I just kind of roll it over the tops of oyster bars and trout would come out and smash it or edge would come out and smash it. If I'm fishing a low tide, like I said, I wouldn't fish it just because it's super low, you know, six inches. So it's no point in fishing a sinking bait. So I'd fish a Nez or, well, pretty much just a Nez or a floater five inch stubby. Um, or his floater, the five inch, the six inch regular. I'd fish his floater, six inch regular a lot too when I'm sight fishing reds. But yeah, um, yeah, man. And then probably I got I got a question for you real quick. How yeah. I mean, do reds have or I mean, I know I know the the speckled trout do like those those sharp kind of teeth. Like, no. do they fuck up baits? Like, do you go through like a bait or two a year because they just get so fucking torn up? Like, there's resin missing and shit, or is it is it not that hardcore? Dude, triple trouts, triple trouts are some of the most durable baits I have ever used. But and I mean, it's just tri- reds. Their teeth are like sandpaper. Like a lot of people say, okay. bass their teeth are like sandpaper. Reds, their teeth are like sandpaper, like because they're chewing on crabs, blue crabs. Yeah, they're crunching on, on shellfish and shit. Shellfish yeah. and shit. So their teeth are just naturally they're they're not sharp. But abrasive. They're just abrasive, really abrasive. So they can really tear up a bait. Speckled trout, speckled trout got little fucking fangs on on it. Have yeah, you ever seen yeah. the speckled trout mouth? They got them two little fangs up top, and they got sharp teeth, you know, all the way around their bottom jaw. So they'll tear up a bait too. You know, and but triple trout, man. The only time that I would go through a triple trout down there is if I'd break on a break off on a fish or anything like that. And dude, I mean, there's this little spot down in Ponte Vedra, no, St. Augustine, Florida, half an hour south of Jacksonville. My dad never liked me fishing it because the tides through there are apps. The the tides that is really the only time. I have been scared saltwater fishing. It's just the tides are absolutely ridiculous. The tides go like I thought the tides go through quick. The tides go through quick in the creek, but the tides go through even quicker when you're on a main when you're on a main 
um, I don't want to call it a river because it's not a river, but um, the intercoastal is what they call it. Basically, you're on a main intercoastal, you're on underneath a major bridge, and you're maybe 200 yards from an inlet. The tide was ridiculous, but I remember this one night I went out there, I had a six-inch triple trout, and I was fishing on spinning gear. I was fishing on a 8,000-size pen battle, I think, and a nine-foot or eight-foot star rod or whatever, and it was the biggest fish I've ever hooked on a triple trout. I mean, it's like, it's a massive tarpon, probably a 100, 150-pound tarpon. Bombed it up on a little bridge behind a bridge and just smoked it, dude. Came out, launched out of the water, you know, had, probably had it on for, I don't know, five, six, seven minutes before it just broke me off and that was it. But triple trout, bro, just absolutely smoked it. I mean, that's pretty much the only time I've lost baits, you know, but that same spot, it's got dock lights on it and shit. And I remember there's nights, my best night I ever had on a triple trout in general, I caught like, probably 100 i think it was like 130 150 speckled trout on a triple trout in one night in like four hours like damn dude that's fucking crazy every cast bro and they're good fish and they're 17 18 19 inch trout speckled trout then speckled trout don't get that big you know i mean they get they get big i think the world record is 39 inches but they don't get that big all the all the time you know they just well you catch a lot of trout that that little spot, you can catch big trout in it, but you catch a lot of them good eater-sized trout. You know, eater-sized trout, like 17, 18, yeah. 19 inches. Fishing those dock lights, how often do you have, like, like, uh, like accidental catches? Like, I mean, you have, like, uh, fuck, I'm trying to think of, uh, like, a jack or something come up and eat your shit. Does that ever happen? Oh, yeah. Or, like, depending yeah. on the time of the year, like, if there's mullet, like, if we're fishing during a mullet run, yeah, bro. They got big jacks in there. I remember one time I was fishing in there. Um, this is another time I broke off a triple trout. I was fishing for trout, and I didn't even see the fucking. There's a fucking bull red sitting right there behind a light. <laughs> he came out and smashed a six inch triple trout, and it broke him off too. I was fishing light. I think I was fishing twenty pound. I was fishing twenty pound fluorocarbon. Like I didn't stand a chance on an eye rod one to four, and uh, things. Uh, I think it was a, um, Tatula, or a Corrado K. Corrado K or Tatula, I can't remember what it was, but it was a small reel. I didn't stand a chance, so I didn't even, I was like, fuck it. But, um, but yeah, bro, jacks, um, mainly jacks, so jacks and bull reds, you know, jacks and bull reds would come up out of fucking nowhere, because they just hide out, they just hide out, you know, behind the pillars, but, like, deeper, you know, where no bull, one... Bull really, red is just, bull red is just a bigger redfish right like a fucking yeah. huge one yeah just just freaking suddenly i think that one i broke off my personal best redfish ever i caught in texas was 44 and some 44 Holy inches shit. i think inches um Damn, dude yeah that was on a that was on a hoagie swim bait i don't know if you've seen them a lot of striper guys fish those but I'd say that fish I broke off in St. Augustine was probably probably close to around there, 40, 41, 42, something like that. Dude, that's but, fucking crazy. Yeah, dude. It's I'm telling you, bro, like I went from fishing in Texas before I moved to Charlotte. I went from fishing saltwater every weekend. Friday night, all day Saturday. Yeah, Saturday dude. I night. remember I remember you'd drive and you'd go stay in your car down at uh 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 
Fuck. Corpus. Uh, Corpus, Corpus Christi. Christi. Yeah. Yep. yep. I remember that. Yep. I went from fishing saltwater heavy for like three days a week to now I haven't fished saltwater in a year and a half. You know, it's just, I mean, I get to fish bass and shit now, but once you get, once you get on the saltwater life, salt life, once you get on salt life or whatever, <laughs> it's just, <clears throat> it's just hard to go back. You know, nothing really, nothing really compares to it, you know, and especially on swims, you know, it's just a redfish on a swim bait. It's just, it's just nuts, man. They just, they just go bonkers for that because no one throws them. There's only, you got donkey bait swim baits. He makes them. He's one of the, he's the guy that throws swim baits down there in Louisiana for him. There's another guy in Texas named Dustin. He fishes, um, he's a stick. Um, he fishes swim baits down there for a red fishing trout. And there's another dude named, I think his name's Dave. He lives in South Florida. He's also a stick and he makes his own little, um, custom like uh ladyfish swim baits mullet swim baits shit like that he's in south Florida, i think but those are really the only three dudes i know of that throw swim baits for saltwater fish inshore fish besides me i don't really other than your west coast guys that fish them for you know calicos and shit like that but for redfish trout and flounder those are the only other three guys i know of that really ever throw swim baits for them just because everyone else you know everyone else sees it as why the hell would I throw a, you know, five, six, seven inch swim bait for redfish and trout when I can catch them on paddle tails all day long, you know? And dude, I mean, you just, there's a picture floating around a couple of years ago. It was actually in Jacksonville. I think it was a red, it was a trout. It was like a 27, 28 inch trout with a 13 inch redfish hanging out of its mouth. Oh my gosh. Dead is a floater, floater fish shame but it was a floater fish but it's like you gotta think bro if you want to catch i mean it's the same way for freshwater bro big baits big bass it's the same way for saltwater though big baits big trout big baits big reds you know <clears throat> it's just but there's a lot of them saltwater guys are just stuck in their ways they don't want to and you know i think a lot of them saltwater guys too saltwater is a good saltwater is a good sport and a good um type of fishing that you don't have to break the budget for because you can go out and you can catch a lot of fish on simple gear versus bass guys bass guys already go out and spend a shit ton of money on bass gear so what the fuck why not you know spend a couple hundred dollars more and get swim bait sticks and shit you know but saltwater guys i think that's a big thing for them is you really don't need to spend a whole lot of money to go out and catch a lot of fish in saltwater so they figure why you know why would i but I had a lot of guys help me out when I first started out. You know, I was making, I was making cheap money, uh, like eight, know, like eight fifty an hour or some shit like that. Throwing swim baits, bro, in salt water and shit. I was fucking struggling, dog. Changing fluorocarbon out every week, you know, just because you got to because of oyster beds and shit. Um, but there's a lot of guys in the swim bait community helped me out. One of them, Andrew Swim, helped me out a lot um, on tips and shit. And um, there's a couple other guys to help me out with gear and stuff. Uh, a couple guys in North Carolina helped me out with reels, and one of them hooked me up with the OG Daiwa Coastal. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like the OG OG. It's like a gray. It's not that blue one they or that black and blue one they had. It's like a oh, it's like a it's a gray one, small one. It's like a hunter size pool. But mm-hmm. I actually caught my biggest trout ever 
on one of those. Also, it was on a triple trout. As far as I know now, it's still the biggest speckled trout on a triple trout. It was a 29 and a half inch speckled trout. And on a five inch stubby bone, I still got it at the house. I'll send you a picture of it when I get back to the house. But it is the, it's just a rashed up bait. You know, I don't, I don't even fish it now just because it's caught so many fish. I probably got, I couldn't tell you how many trout I got on that damn thing. I got a lot of trout on that damn thing though. But I don't even fish it now just because it's like a, it's just like a memory bait now, you know. I just yeah in my room and Dude, just, I'm looking at I'm looking at this reel and it almost looks like a Shimano reel, the coastal. Yeah, yeah, the like OG. It looks like an old style Shimano. Yeah, yeah, it looks slick still for I don't know. Fuck, hold on, let me see when this article is wrote. Uh, fuck, I don't even know. But yeah, dude, this it looks like a sick little reel for being old. Like I said, I think it was a, I think it was a hundred size. It's a pretty shallow spool, but one hundred and forty <laughs> yards of twelve pound mono. Yep, and I think I would throw. Yeah. I think I threw like twenty or seventeen on there, you know. But I never threw braid. I always threw, I always threw mono or fluoro just because I don't. It braids just kind of. I don't like. I don't like the knots going through my reels and shit. My guides when I'm throwing swim baits, especially not. I mean, <clears throat> when you're fishing braid around oysters and shit, you really got to be careful. Just because braid. I mean, oysters are sharp as fuck, dude. They'll slice your shit so fucking quick. But <clears throat> that night I caught the trout. It kind of sucks. It was like two days before a tournament I fished, which it didn't matter, and it was a full moon, and um. It was in March of 2019, and it was a full moon. I got out there after school. I got out there like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, something like that. I think I ended up staying out until like 1 o'clock in the morning, and there was a full moon bite. You know, it was the most, one of the most insane trout bites I've ever seen. You know, I had a, had a 24-inch trout. And I had a 25 inch trout, two 26s, a 27, yeah. and a 29 and a half in one night. Like, just unheard of, bro. And I had redfish too. I had like three 26, 27 inch redfish in the stringer as well, or on the, in the line as well. Um, but, you know, it's just that night was insane. I got up on this little spot. <clears throat> This little spot I fished, you know, it's a real open water place. The whole place is, is brackish, but the whole spot, <clears throat> deepest part in the spot was like six foot. You know, it was a real shallow place, but there's just giant fish in it. Giant trout, giant reds, and black drum, and big flounder and shit, you know. And <clears throat> But fish this spot, man. I've been, I've been hammering a lot, you know, catching a lot of 20, 21, 22-inch trout out of it. You know, doing good, just not catching any big ones. But that one night, man, something just clicked and ended up hammering them on a triple trout. Bone, white, five-inch stubby. I still, like, it's one of them nights where I just over and over and over. To this day, I still replay it in my head, but I still think about it. I think about it at work and shit. It got me smiling like hell. But, <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's just one of them things, man. You know, the spot. It's basically, I was like a mile, two miles deep into this place. And um, basically, it's just a regular bank. Looks like the whole other stretches of banks in this spot. 
Looks nothing looks irregular. Nothing looks out of the norm. Everything looks the same. There's no reason as to why, or in my opinion, there's no reason. It does not make sense as to why the fish stack up on that little spot. Other than the wind, if the wind sets up right, you know, like if the wind's blowing from the ocean, so if the wind's blowing west, um, from the ocean, you know, it pushes bait on this certain bank in a spot, which that'll make sense. But this spot's like seven miles long, six miles long. So literally the whole west side of the lake could have bait and the whole west side of the lake could have fish. So you really, but it's just this one little spot, man. This one little spot just has them stacked up all the time for no reason. But I got this little spot, I don't know, like six o'clock. I got over there and Bombed a triple trout up in the grass, you know, like a foot of water. Burned it out. Bam. Lost a good trout, like a 23, 24-inch trout. Bombed the next, next cast up there. Caught 25. Kept moving down. Caught a 26. Came around this little spot, little point. Down. Bam, another 26. And the like, cool thing about it, there's a lot of mullet in this little, or this little spot. <clears throat> you might have to edit that out. But, um... There's a lot of mullet in this little spot, and it there's just there's a lot of mullet, a lot of mullet, a lot of mud minnows, a lot of shrimp, shit like that. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I just it was. I remember that night it was a west wind blowing in. It was a west wind blowing in from the ocean, so there obviously is just bait stacked in there. But you can just see bait popping on the grass, not necessarily trout. And you're not really seeing. I wasn't really seeing trout and shit pop on the bank, but you know, you see a mullet and shit pop on the bank. So I was just casting up in the shallows. And like I said, I think I had a 25, a 26. And then I was kept moving down, caught another 26 near the mullet. And then moved down a little further, caught a 27, dropped back, came back up and fished where the mullet were. And I heard a explosion behind me. And it was pitch black now. I think it was like 9 o'clock now, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10. I think it was like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And heard an explosion behind me. Bombed a cast over there real quick. Maybe four cranks of the reel. And just the eye rod just loaded the fuck up. And as soon as I set the hook. And it's real slow, bro. This reel was like a... It was like a 6.4, but... Them saltwater reels are... I feel like they're a little slower. They are. They're a little slower than like conventional. Like your bass gear and shit. Mm-hmm. I think it's a 6 gear ratio or a 6.4. Some bitch was slow, but I bombed the cast out there, four cranks in, the 29 and a half just freaking, freaking smokes it, dude. And I'm f- sitting there whining it, whining it, and this trout, trout doing a badass dance, bro. They just, when they come out of the water, they tail walk. Or no. Well, yeah, some of them tail walk, but some of them, when they come up out the water, they just, <clears throat> trout have violent ass head shakes. You know, and they just, when they come out the water, they're just fucking thrashing their faces around, bro. And it's just, yeah, pits, you know, and trout, trout in Florida, they call them yellow mouse. Some people, I think, call them paper mouse. If you notice, crappie also are called paper mouths. Trout and crappie, Mm -hmm. speckled trout, have very soft mouths. Like if you, if you hook them on the out, like on the lips and shit, and you jack the shit out of them, you'll rip their fucking faces right off. You know, it's why <laughs> he's got to be careful. Like, just got really soft paper mouths, you know, and it's, 
it's really a disaster when you got a, you know, ounce, ounce and a half bait hanging out of their mouth, you know, a triple trout, but they got soft mouths already, you know, and it's just an absolute nightmare. And this fish comes up, you know, thrashing. I have my headlamp on and shit and I couldn't see the bait. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know if it was on the side of her face or what, but fighting her in, fighting her in or whatever. They fight pretty hard too, you know, so you gotta, you can't play them out because <clears throat> they got soft mouths. So if you play them out, you're just giving more leverage to them. You know, you're giving them more of a chance to let that hook rip through their face. Um, but yeah, that fish, like just fucking thrashing all over the top of the water, going ape shit. And then, um, basically I got next to the boat, next to the kayak, takes one more dive underneath the boat. Thought I was going to lose it in my drive, but I got lucky. Pulled it out, got it in the net, and went absolute ape shit. Just screaming, teared up a little bit, you know, because <laughs> I've been grinding for a fish like this since I was fucking 13, 14 years old. I've always wanted a gator trout, you know, big trout, and I finally got it when I was 19. <clears throat> on a triple chop nonetheless a lot of these guys in that spot they catch them on little um they're called mirror nines they called uh mr 27s i think and basically it's like a it's like a rattle trap but it's like a really slow sinking rattle trap and you just kind of yo-yo them or whatever stroke them or whatever a lot of guys catch them on that no one really catches them on swim baits in there big swim baits you know on caught that fish i just went ape shit you know and it's just it's insanity i was looking around for the triple trout and i looked at his throat and that bait was just gone you know and i realized it was big because i had the the fish's mouth up near my seat and the tail the length of that fish went all the way <clears throat> past my drive in the hobie and then curled up a little bit on the back side of the kayak i was like god dang that's a long yeah, fish dude Measured it up 29 and a half inches and just freaking stoked out the, out the max. Um, but yeah, it's my biggest trout to date. Biggest speckled trout that I know of on a triple trout. Um, and yeah, dude, it's just trout, trout and redfish, man. I mean, I want to move, I want to move back to tech, back to Texas one day. Who knows when, but one day Texas or Florida, just cause it's, you know, when I get old, I want to run a guide business down there and shit like that. Swim bait guides for trout, max guide service or something. But, um, yeah, you know, it's just, it's badass. And it's, it, that, that, um, fishing in Jacksonville for inshore fish. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of it in Texas, did a lot of inshore fishing in Texas. I think I did more. Well, I don't know. I did pretty close to the amount I did in Jacksonville, but you know, I, I remember. I think the biggest bait I caught a trout on in in um in uh, Texas was a. I think it was a. I think it was a fucking phony. I think a phony. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a phony. Phony or a Chad Chad. Um, I think Chad Chad seven inches, seven and a half inches. I can't remember if it was a phony or a Chad Chad, but. I caught him on one of those two. I know I caught a lot on a Chad Chad down there. I caught him on a Slim Chad, uh, F E old fish everything, Phil's tackle box. Slim Chad, um, yeah. 
I gave Coffee. you that one. I, I sold that one to you. Yeah. Yeah, you sold that. Dude, Dude that one. So crazy. A lot of people, bro. I know a lot of people don't like the guy, but that Slim Shad is one of the best. Walk, like, you know, you got the punkers and shit. Punkers are great, <clears throat> but you can't walk a punker. You know, you just can't. A punker doesn't walk. A punker glides on top of the water. But the Slim Shad, the Slim Shad, you can get that son of a bitch to walk, you know? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that's why I got it, you know, it's because a lot of guys catch them on spooks down there and shit. The Zara spooks, the original OG spook, it's like five inches or whatever, four inches down in Texas. And I was like, Slim Shad's got to work. And it turns out it works really well down there. You know, you just walk it. <clears throat> you walk on the edge of the school edge of the grass or, you know, over oyster bars, shell bars, whatever, trout come up and smoke it, and it's badass, you know. But, yeah, Texas caught a lot of them on triple trouts. Like I said, Chad Chad. Pretty sure I caught a couple on a phony, and then a lot. I caught a good, not a lot, I caught a good bit on a Slim Shad, too. Um, And then the Mike Kerman, Donkey, Donkey Bay Swim Baits, his trout glide as well. But, yeah, dude, Texas was a shit. Like, Texas, you know, Texas, um, schools of redfish and shit, as far as Jacksonville and Texas go, bro, like, Texas, you can you can roll up on a school in Texas of redfish, and it's like 50 fish, 50, 60, 70 fish just pounding shrimp in the grass. And, like, I remember a couple times, one on swim base, but I remember, I remember a couple times out there, you know, I'd be hooked up to four fish at once out there, bro. Damn, dude. Like, I'm talking two off the front, two rods off the front, two rods off the back, trying to figure out where everything is, you know. But, <laughs> like, you can, these fish are rolling down the grass, and you can toss a bait in front of the school. Bam, you're hooked up. Let him run. Let him do his thing or whatever. Toss another bait. Bam, you're hooked up. Let him do his thing. Toss another bait. Bam, you're hooked up. Next thing you know, you got three fish on at once. Three different lines I mean, out. And it's just heck. Could you could you fish a quick strike or what is it? The the double <laughs> like the double TK rig? Like do you think you could catch two at once on a schooling like a school of redfish like that? Or like so or two two five inch stubby uh triple trouts? I think you could. You know, the only thing is with them schooling fish is they're just <clears throat> for whatever reason they're super finicky. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Anything too know? crazy? They're probably like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, exactly. Like, I would even I throw sometimes I throw a triple trout at them when they're schooling and they eat it, but a lot of times it just spook them. So really, in that situation, you gotta just throw small paddle tails, DOA shrimp, whatever, you know. But there's that I don't really notice that on the schools that are in the grass, you know, because. Them schools that are in the grass, bro, it's really tough, you know, because you got to make a perfect cast right in front of them but not get tangled up in the grass. But if you make – if there's a school of redfish out in the open bay, and the way you'll know because it's just birds diving, seagulls and shit, diving on the middle of a in the middle of a bay, and like, what the fuck is that? It's redfish, you know? And mm-hmm. in that case, it's not that bad because you can just kind of bomb a cast out over the school and bring it back. You're in open water. You know, you ain't really got to worry about nothing, snagging up on anything. So, that's the crazy thing out there, bro, is you can, like, you'll just be chilling, <clears throat> mind your own business or whatever, and you hear squawking and squeaking of seagulls, and you look behind you, and it's just 
a massive school of redfish in the middle of a bay just going ape shit on shrimp and mullet. Hmm. But double TK rig probably would smoke them. Double TK rig, double um, triple trout rig. Crazy. Oh yeah, dude. What do you think? What do you think of the the two fifty five uh, flags? The flag two fifty five. Is that a soft one? Yeah, that's the soft glide bait. Dude, that would that would probably smoke them down there. Smoke, yeah, that smoke them. Dude, that'd be fucking so much fun. Like, oh, yeah. I guess, like, is there ever that? That's kind of. I don't know if there's two treble hooks or just one. Kind of like a, a, like a mag draft or something. But do you have? Was there ever times like where these fish were? They were finicky, but they were eating your baits, and they would they would almost short strike st- short strike your shit or t bone it to where they're not getting any hooks or or do reds like I guess when I've seen pictures of reds, obviously they're they're like people are just holding them so their mouth isn't open. Is it kind of like a bass where like their mouth fucking just all their bones spread apart and their mouth opens up super wide, like so they can choke down a bait pretty easily? So redfish, you know, they kind of got they really got a pretty small mouth, but. It's kind of like what you're talking about, kind of like a bass. It's almost like your bottom, her jaw, their bottom jaw doesn't really expand like a bass doesn't expand like a large mouth. You know, the bottom jaw can really open up wide. Yeah, yeah. Really, a redfish, it don't really open that wide, but it opens up enough to where they can get hooks pretty easy. But like yeah. on that slim shad, even with three trebles on that bait, I've still had reds come up and smoke it from underneath, blow the bait out of the water, and not get hooks. Same with Damn. trout, trout too. You know, they'll come up and blow up on it and they'll not get hooks. You know, even on a triple trout, they'll smoke it. Because a triple trout, the only way I'd fish that bait, well, the only way I fish it in general, you fish them fast. You know, you fish yeah, them like a spinner bait, burning it, you know, but burning it quick. You know, I like to fish my triple trouts on a seven to one, specifically in saltwater, just because when you're burning it, they're just gonna it's like a reaction bite it's gonna come up and smoke it you know and and you kind of have to in salt water because you got oyster beds and shit and you want to get you don't want to get hung because you get hung on an oyster bed just me a bit getting it out but um but yeah dude like those fish will just for whatever reason even on a slim shad slim shad's got three sticky treble hooks on it and they'll they'll miss hooks you know it's just i don't know how you know but they'll come up and they'll blow the tail end out of the slim shad to blow it up out of the water and they'll just miss hooks but it honestly that like that kind of thing is just as entertaining as them getting the bait you know just because they'll just come up from nowhere and you know a lot of those fish i caught them the slim shad they wouldn't necessarily be schooling fish you know they just i'd just be bombing on the grass line they just come up out of nowhere and smoke it you know and um yeah, I, I honestly, that kind of shit, that kind of stuff, them just blowing it out of the water is just entertaining as them taking it and getting to fight them back to the boat or the yak. You know, that's just yeah, as entertaining. Um, it's the same with the triple trout, bro. You're burning the triple trout, you burn as quick as you can reel it, and a trout or out of the water and shit blows it out of the water. It's just it's super entertaining. And trout, trout in that instance though, like what you're talking about with their mouth, trout they can open their mouth pretty wide. You know, they can. I mean, like I said, that trout in Jacksonville fit a 13-inch redfish in its mouth. You know, like, that's that's unreal, you know? That's fucking crazy. So, trout, you know, trout are kind of like bass, I guess. You know, redfish are too, but trout are really, I feel like, bass. You know, they just, 
they don't give a they don't give a crap. You know, they just go and eat whatever they want or try to eat whatever they want. You know, so yeah, dude, them trout trout are just you know they're just trout. I don't know how to explain it. You know, they're just badass. Them and redfish, but yeah, damn, dude. Well, I guess kind of closing it down a little bit. What's the gear that you go out there with? Like your rod and reel, like line, line especially too. So, gear when I fish in Jacksonville, I'd fish uh like I said the Dawa Coastal, um, seventeen. Well, I really fish twenty twenty pound fluoro and Vizex. Um, uh, I fish the Irod one to four out there a lot. In Texas, I fished um as a custom rod Andrew gave me is a seven ninety five. Like a little, maybe a little lighter than seven ninety five. It's real, not a noodle, but it had a little bit of, you know, tip or whatever to it. And I'd fish that. And what did I fish? Um, fuck, I can't remember what I fished. I think it was a die. I think I fished a Tula out there. It's a Tula or a Corrado. No, I fished like Okuma Komodo. Oh, the um, Komodo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Komodo three sixty four. Um, I fished that. 20 pound fluoro in Vizex, and yeah so yeah so i guess another thing uh are you fighting these fish or is your drag fucking tightened down and since those those trout do have like the softer mouths and shit are you just fucking grinding them to get them in so you're not you're not fucking having them shake off and shit so red is it different for red and trout so redfish, redfish kind of got bony mouths. So you really ain't got to worry about it. You stick them with a treble hook and you can kind of play them out as long as you don't give them slack. You know, but trout, yeah, trout. And the, and the thing, like, with, with redfish, if I'm fishing a trout, if I'm fishing triple trout around redfish, I'll jack the shit out of them. But you got to be careful because a lot of times you can catch trout in redfish spots and you can catch redfish in trout spots in Jacksonville. It's not the same in Texas in some areas. But, um... <clears throat> if I'm specifically targeting trout, normally, you know, I won't, I won't lock it all the way down, you know, just cause I have a bad habit of, you know, trying to jack them. So I'll kind of maybe three quarter tighten down, maybe a little less than that. And, but when I set the hook on a trout, you know, I just kind of, kind of like a crankbait, just kind of trying to lean into it. You know, if you're sick, I, I fished, um, when I fished my triple shots down there, I think I fished, uh, I think I, I I fish the ST sixty sixes a lot, the big beefy hooks, you know. Yeah, yeah, the ones, uh, yeah, yeah, the saltwater ones, and then I think I fished I fished the ST thirty six a lot, the the you know a little bit beefier one, but yeah, I mean for the trout, you know, if I'm in an area with a lot of trout in it, yeah, I'd kind of just back it down a little bit and just if you as long as you lean into them. You know, you're not ripping their faces off. You really ain't got to worry about it, you know, because you can get a good, you can get a pretty good hook in them. It's just them ones that barely bite it and you just get them on the skin of their face. A lot of times with a, you know, triple trout or a chad chad, they're going to throw it, you know, no matter what you do. So, but you can't, you can't, you can't winch them in too hard because they just, you just ripped right through their skin. But them redfish, yeah, them redfish, you can hook them good and you ain't really got a, they got a real nice, tough mouth. So you ain't got to worry about it. But yeah, yeah, they're badass, dude. Though, like, if you ever, you ever get a chance to do it, you gotta do it. You know, like whether it's conventional, just spinning gear, or if you 
do it with swims. Highly recommend it for anyone. It's just, it's an absolute blast. The most, I mean, I like it. I like it more in freshwater any day, but yeah, it's, it's a blast. Dude, I want to fucking do it. It looks like so much fun. Like even them doing it like in the, in the Yeti videos, like where they're fly fishing and shit for them. Like, oh my gosh, like fuck, that's gotta be crazy to just to fucking hook up with one. Oh yeah, dude, and it's like it's like no other experience, you know. It's just it's just badass, and it's not like bass with swim baits, you know. Bass with swim baits, you can go out and catch, you know, maybe one, two, three fish, depending on where you're at. But them trout and shit, like I said, I think my best day with a triple trout fishing for specs was, I mean, 130, 140, 150 fish day. Like it's in three or four hours, like it's unreal. And trout, redfish the same way. I think my best day redfish. Uh, for conventional and like triple trouts, I think I had, I don't know, probably 50, 60 fish, all slots, you know, upper slot redfish. Just, it's just too much fun. You know, a lot of people hate on the saltwater because it's too easy or whatever, but when you get, it's really, red fishing and trout become a lot easier when you learn a lot more about the way the tides are, the way they hang on structure, just like bass, except I think they're a little bit more predictable, a little bit easier to catch. But once you get, because swim baits for trout and redfish, bro, it's almost like bass. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta put your time in if you want to be able to catch a lot of good fish on them. Just, you know, you just gotta, you gotta study your shit. Grass points, you know, oyster points what side of the oyster bar they're hanging out on depending what what tide it is like if it's an incoming tide they'll hang out on the back side of the bar the oyster bar where there's an eddy versus if you got an outgoing tide they'll hang out on the front side of the bar where there's the oyster yeah. bar where there creates an eddy it's just like river fishing you know in a way yeah, except exactly. the tide switches but is it beneficial to be out there every single day and and see these different scenarios or would you say it's more beneficial to go out maybe two times a week but go for more weeks at a time so you can see a whole different broad of scenarios rather than just like what if what a couple little changes throughout a week does you know i'd say the the way i learned it in jacksonville was going out you know three or four times a week you know, but a lot of a lot of it too is finding which tide you're comfortable with fishing. You know, if you feel like you're more comfortable, I I personally think a low tide's easier to fish just because you can sight fish them and you can kind of predict them, and you know where all the oyster bars are at. If you know where the oyster mm-hmm. bars are at and shit, it sometimes it's game over, especially in Florida. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of people don't have that chance to go out and pick what tides they want to choose and fish. So really, whenever you can go out and when it Anytime you go out in the water, saltwater or freshwater, specifically saltwater, you're going to, you're going to learn something, you know, you're going to learn, you're going to learn different, different ways they hide, you know, whether they hide on grass flats or grass points or oyster bars or shell bars or whatever, you're going to learn, you know, but I like, I mean, as many times you can get out as many different tides as you can fish and whatnot. I mean, I'd say do that. You know, you're going to learn something regardless, though. But I right. I really feel like it's more like a. Like once you figure out which tide you like to fish, 
like I said, that's how it was for me. You know, when I specifically wanted to go and sight fish, I would just go fish at low tide. And when I was 19, I was going to welding school. I would, if there was four or five low tides that set up perfect in a week, I would just go out. I would go out, whether it be four or five nights a week, I'd go out and fish every single low tide I could because I knew that in my spots, I could go out and catch six, seven, eight you know, upper slot, over slot redfish in a two hour span with the right tide. It's just, yeah, you got to be able to, um, find how you like to fish. I, I knew a lot of guys down there that they don't even, they really don't fish a low tide. They just like to fish the high tide when it's in the grass, you know? So it's just, so would, would you say low tide is like you're, if you're going to go out and you have the opportunity, like you want it to be low tide, that's your go-to. Yeah, so if I'm in Jacksonville, if I'm in Jacksonville, yeah, if, it, if I can get an opportunity to go fish a low tide versus a high tide, I'm going to go fish a low tide. Obviously, if I'm getting aids to go fish, you know, I'll go fish a high tide or whatever, whatever the tide is. But if yeah. I got an option to choose, yeah, I'm going to go fish the low tide, you know, eight times out of ten. Texas don't really matter, though. Texas, the tides don't, they don't really change a whole bunch, so you can just... Texas is kind of whack, though, bro. You got to... Some days they're schooling hard and some days they're not. You know, some days you can go out there and you can have three or four or five fish days. And some days you can go out there and have 40 fish days, you know, just or 30 fish days. You know, it just really, it all depends on conditions. And I know barometric pressure plays a part in there and cloud cover. Does does moon phase play big in saltwater? Oh, dude, hella big. So like moon phase, right? So like Jacksonville and times of the year too. So Jacksonville, um, September, late August through September, you got something called flood tides. And I don't really know why they flood, but basically late August through September, you'll have these tides and it's a above normal or above average high tide so you'll instead of being like a five foot tide at a high tide in jacksonville five five and a half uh-huh. foot you'll have like a six foot and it'll basically flood all the grass flats and shit and that's that's the really time i like to fish a high tide if it's like that you know because you can just get back in these grass flats you can hop out of the yak or the boat and you can literally wait on top of the grass flats and you can sight fish red fish in the grass so that's pretty fun. You sh- when we get off here, you need to look that up on YouTube. That's badass shit. Um, and then, oh yeah, moon phases. So full moon. Um, yeah, dude. I remember I was fishing in Charleston. I was like, you know, seventeen, and I was, I went down there on a new moon, like right after the solar eclipse we had back then, uh-huh. and I got caught. It was like nine foot tides. Holy fuck. Yeah, dude. It was ridiculous. I mean, Texas, Texas, like, I, like, if it was a full moon down there in Texas on the, on the coast, I didn't really even go down there and fish just because the tides are a lot higher. And it's the same way in Jacksonville. If it was a full moon, I really didn't go and fish just because the tides are, they're just, or a new moon or whatever, they're just so much higher. You know, the tides are, instead of five foot, you know, it might be six, six and a half foot, something like that. So, yeah. The moon phases, um, but yeah, for Jacksonville times of the year too, like I said, you, know, you got late August through September, you got them flood tides, that's mm-hmm. just badass. You just go and sight fish them on fly or artificial or conventional or whatever, but 
Yeah, them moon tides and the moon phases, you got to pay attention to that shit. If you don't pay attention, like I was 16 and dumb and didn't know any better, you know, I went out there, was going to try and catch some sheep's head and trout and reds, and I ended up getting caught. And it took me, took me like three and a half. I was in a paddle kayak. It took me like three, three and a half hours to go 500 yards. Fuck, dude. Yeah, I'm scared. But was was yeah, that dude. like the scariest point in time for you to be out there in your kayak? You're like, oh my gosh, like I fucked that, up. Or was there a worse the, experience? That is the most scared I've ever been in a kayak by far. You know, I was like, that's when I was living in Greenville, and you know, really wouldn't have been that scary. I, I'm ter- I'm not terrified of sharks. I don't really like sharks though. But this little spot was in Beaufort, South Carolina. And it was like two weeks before that. There was there's a little hole down there, somewhere down there in fucking Beaufort. And it's like a hundred and fifty foot deep hole and the the great whites I was told by the locals, the great whites will run up in there and it's not far from the mouth of the river, but they'll run up the great white they said great whites, but I know they said tiger sharks, I think. Tiger sharks, big bull sharks, all that shit. You know, they'll run kind of up the river and getting them little deep holes and shit so yeah dude i was i mean i'm sitting there like 16 16 years old paddling my life away trying to get back to the boat ramp (laughs) on a on a solar eclipse tide i was like yeah i'm i'm fucked so yeah that was the scariest moment i never i don't think i ever told my mom about that one but (laughs) yeah i don't think i ever told my dad about that one either but yeah you know um, that is definitely the scariest moment for sure, hundred percent. But damn, dude, yeah, fuck that. That's yeah. Oh, I'm. I just, I can't even fathom that shit. That's scary. But now, now I'm twenty two, almost. Yeah, twenty two now. It's just I've learned so much since I really started die hard inshore fishing when I was. Well, I guess die hard when I was eighteen. I like guess just. That's crazy, bruh. Like, a lot of people think saltwater fishing, man, you just go out to a live shrimp, live mullet, or whatever, and you can catch a lot of fish doing that, and it can be fun. But when you really start to get into the the depth of it and figuring out your tides and figuring out what tides you like to fish and the structures and everything else, some people might say overcomplicate or whatever, overthink it, but honestly, I don't mind it. I love doing that kind of stuff. You know, it's just... You're just breaking everything down, and when you break everything down, you can get dialed in. And when you get dialed in, it's just it's just super fun, you know. And there's a lot of guys, even back in Jacksonville, you know, they wonder how do you go out and catch, a, you know, a good bit of fish on artificial and shit, you know, even swim baits. And it's just luckily when I was 18, I was living down there. I was homeschooled and shit, so I was able to go out, you know, three or four times a week. Even when I was going to welding school, I was able to go out three or four times a week, so or five times a week. So I was able to really dissect it. So that really helped a lot. Even in Texas, when I was I was going down there every weekend, you know, I was able to dissect it, you know, and just learn everything. So, but yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people don't get that depth into it, you know. And bass fishing is really in depth, but saltwater inshore is not as in depth as bass fishing, but you can get in depth with it and you can really figure out a lot of shit and badass shit. Like you can, 
saltwater is just badass, dude. It's just whether it's on swims or regular gear, spinning tackle. You know, it's just a lot of fun. The fish are big. The fish fight hard, and they taste really good too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably fun when when you get to go out and, and fish a swim bait and catch fish, and then you fucking get to keep them and go home and eat them. Not, I mean, not saying you can't yeah. do that with bass, but obviously it's probably not much that a lot of guys fucking do. Dude, redfish, take a redfish, kind of like fillet it open or whatever. You stuff them with crab meat and you bake them. Oh, my God, dude. Holy I, didn't cow. You, didn't you take one for uh, Thanksgiving when you went with Derek's family? I want to yeah, say you had a redfish. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was Thanksgiving, but it was, it was a dinner. I went, went down, got off work, I think, on a Friday or whatever. Drove down to the coast, fished Friday. No, drove down Saturday morning, caught my limiter reds Saturday, went out Sunday not Saturday night, caught another limiter reds, drove back Sunday and went and grilled out with them. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking sick. <laughs> Dude, back in Jacksonville, I had this one night, we went out for like two hours one night. Me and my buddy caught two man limiter reds and I think we caught a limited trout. And we brought him back to his apartment complex and we filleted him inside the apartment complex. <laughs> Like on the cooler, dude. That shit was crazy. Like that. <laughs> nah, I did not. Smell like fishing there for a week. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on, man, before we close her down for the night? Nah, dude, I'm straight. Uh appreciate you having me on. That if you can't tell, dude, saltwater is it's my favorite. You know, I'd highly recommend it for anyone, whether you're a swim bait fisherman. Or whatever. If you get the chance to go swim bait fish for trout and reds, highly recommend doing it. Um, but yeah, dude, thank you for having me on. I've been wanting to talk about this for a minute, so I had a blast tonight. But yeah, dude, what's uh, what's what's your Instagram for anybody who doesn't already follow you? Uh, Riley Mac underscore fishing. Okay, I thought so. I'll put that in the description for uh, for everybody to to go and follow Riley and just fucking pick his brain on if, if you guys live up in the coast or something and and want to go out and uh try try to attempt at it i mean it's um i mean obviously riley's put in a, a fuck ton of work and he's kind of figured out what works for him and by the sounds of it some some other people think that like high tide works better for them so it really sounds like uh you can learn a lot in this episode at least and and kind of get a baseline of what, what you what you want to try or what you should start off trying and I think probably if Riley had something like this, you know, eight years ago to listen to, maybe maybe it'd help him help him start off a little bit better than than it sounded like he'd started with. Dude, if I had this eight years ago, oh my goodness, dude, that should be badass, hundred <laughs> percent. But I want to thank Riley for coming on. Like I said, make sure you guys follow his Instagram if you don't already. Uh, make sure. If you guys haven't bought uh, a month or a stick slap of the month, it'll be this. Will, you guys will be listening to this Monday, which will be like the third October third. So make sure you guys grab one of the Grayley uh, monthly stickers we're doing with the giveaway with the multi joint swimmer. Uh, follow Riley. Follow the podcast on Instagram Scales and Tails underscore podcast. Make sure if you guys enjoy the show to give it a uh, a rating on your uh, give it a rating on your listening platform would mean a lot. Um, let, let me know, make, make sure if you guys really like this episode and if you learned a lot, message Riley, message me, tell me about it because it's kind of crazy when people 
listen to the show all the way through and you get a message like i know a lot of the other guys have gotten messages and they're like holy shit like i can't believe somebody listened to this so if you listen to this and and you've done it before or you've learned a lot of shit like message riley because i mean it means the world when somebody like messes you out of the blue and is like hey dude like i learned i learned this from the show and you're like holy shit i can't believe somebody actually fucking listen to me talk for an hour and a half two hours so if you guys learn anything or even if you guys go out and, and you have some success with this stuff send a picture tag tag me on instagram or do whatever um i'll share it of course but uh like i said i want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank riley for coming on tonight it was kind of very impromptu i asked him about four hours ago if he wanted to come on and he said yes of course so thank you riley uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for enjoying the podcast. Thank you guys for following me on Instagram. It means a whole lot. And I'll talk to everybody next time. Thanks, guys.